Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the History Essay. I hope everyone is having a good day. So far, I got a great episode lined up for today, a really interesting topic. We're going to head south of the border. We're finally out of the U.S. history um, block that I've been covering lately. So we're, like I said, we're going to head south of the border. We're going to dive into a topic in Mexican history, an often overlooked topic in Mexican history, and one which is somewhat dark and not well known. And that is the Torreon Massacre of 1911. Now, when it comes to history, just want to establish a little concept here for you all to understand. History, like anything else, has a narrative. It has a backstory. Every country's history has a reason why it plays out the way it does. We're all very familiar with the American narrative when it comes to history. That is, we are the greatest country in the world. We have overcome so many challenges, supposedly, and you know we are the pinnacle of civilization in some way, shape, or form. That's how U.S. history is very much presented, that we are exceptional and there's no question about it. Well, when it comes to the narrative of Mexican history or its backstory, you know, the angle, however you want to call it, it's one of tragedy, turmoil, constant foreign intervention by numerous parties. You know, Mexico is never presented as an aggressor, is never presented as a country which does wrong unto others or does wrong unto itself. There are moments when, yes, there have been incidents against its own populace against its own people but those also get downplayed very much again to fit into the mexican historical narrative the people of mexico you know they play a role of overcoming adversity you know such as authoritarianism political corruption religious domination but again the mexican people are never portrayed as perpetrators of injustice themselves they're never seen as the people who cause this injustice so This event, the Torreon Massacre of 1911, it kind of flips all of that on its head. This event is also very relevant because it informs, you know, the current China-Mexico relationship in many ways. You know, it's this incident which informs you why it is that Mexico and China are not much closer, you know, in the geopolitics aspect of it why they aren't much closer why they aren't allies that sort of thing this event kind of gives you an insight as to why that is so let's get a little background it's 1911 the mexican revolution has just started so that the mexican revolution is the backdrop to what's going on president slash dictator porfirio diaz is pressured to resign as the head of state in mexico Due to the fact that he had been president for close to 30 years, close to three decades. And, you know, he entertained the idea of Mexico being more democratic. And he said he was open to elections. But then he kind of said, you know what, I changed my mind. But when he said that and he won the fake election, the fraudulent election, Francisco Madero and other revolutionary forces, well, they decided that they had had enough. They eventually, after some battles, they took Ciudad Juarez and 
they forced Porfirio Diaz out of the presidency after 30 years. And Mr. Diaz then went into exile, I believe, in France, where ultimately he died and where there is his resting place. And so the newly elected President Madero, he comes into power. But it didn't go well for him. It just, from the start, there were problems with Madero. Ultimately, he is later deposed by the Mexican military, led by Victoriano Huerta, and he's also later assassinated. But of course, that comes later. That's a topic for a whole other episode. Further adding to the context, and I feel this is very important that I do so, is what's happening in the United States, more specifically, anti-Chinese sentiment. So there's a saying um, that comes along with U.S.-Mexico relations that when the United States coughs, Mexico catches the cold. In this case, Mexico caught the anti-Chinese sentiment cold, if you want to call it that, just as much as the U.S. did. The same feelings American had, Americans had toward the Chinese, that xenophobia. Many in Mexico, whether they were from the upper class or the lower class, they felt the exact same way. They had the same feelings towards the Chinese. It may have been a bit more subtle, you know, less, uh, less overt, less out in the open than it was here in the United States. But nevertheless, it was there. And the events of May of 1911, that's when it came out in full force, in full fury. You know, it may not have taken the form of the Chinese Exclusion Act, but it sort of culminated and built up to this moment, this very unfortunate moment here. So the Torreón Massacre of 1911, it's important that we establish one key thing. There was a joint investigation done by, at the time, Imperial China, because it was still considered an empire at that point, although it wasn't going to last very long as an empire. There was a joint investigation by Imperial China and um, Mexico at this time, which was very tricky considering Mexico was in the midst of a revolution. So it was very hard to get this investigation started, but it started nonetheless. The event in question, the Torreón Massacre, it sparked this investigation in order to determine the truth of what happened. The investigation came to several important conclusions, and the conclusions are the following. Number one, revolutionary forces, the so-called Maderistas, because they were supporters of Francisco Madero, they were ultimately responsible for the massacre of 303 Chinese residents in the city of Torreón in the state of Coahuila. They were killed in a most inhuman way, and it was even considered barbaric, the words used by the report that I used to um, research um, for this episode. The reason for the investigation was to establish one important thing. They wanted to establish... They wanted to sort of see if the Chinese in any way, the Chinese residents of Torreón provoked the Maderista soldiers into attacking them. So this is one key thing that the investigation is going to try and determine. Maderista forces claimed that the Chinese residents resisted their advance into the city of Torreón. 
the Maderista forces also claimed that one federal general by the name of General Lojero had given arms to the Chinese and even advised them saying, hey, look, if the Maderistas come into Torreón, you fire at them. This was denied by all those who knew General Lojero. They said he didn't do that. There was never an order given to do such a thing. Numerous statements from numerous witnesses across the board stated that arms were never given to the Chinese. The federal forces were the ones firing at the Maderistas, not the Chinese residents. So that's one key thing that a lot of witnesses are saying, that the Chinese weren't armed. It was also established that people were spreading rumors that the Chinese residents were attacking the Maderista forces in order to have an excuse to pillage and loot their businesses and attack the Chinese residents of Torreón. The actions were fueled, they were given more fuel by speeches by Maderista leaders. Maderista leaders inflamed anti-foreigner sentiments among their supporters, among those who supported the Mexican Revolution. You know, witnesses stated that the attacks on Chinese residents were wholly unprovoked. They were barbaric. That word comes up a lot. And that there was really there was really no reason for the Chinese to even resist, given that they were peaceful, law-abiding residents of Torreón. They had nothing to gain from resisting the Maderistas. So, you know, based on the source, the source that I'm using is a report that was done shortly after the events happened. Um, so I guess you could say it's sort of like, it's almost a first-hand report. It happened right after it, all of this concluded, all of this unfortunate concluded. All of this unfortunate stuff, you know, <laughs> when it concluded. So, you know, based on the source that I used for this research, the causes or the events that led up to the massacre began with a speech made by one Maderista leader named Jesus Flores. This guy is really key into why this happened. And of course, other people from shady backgrounds as well. The Maderista forces led by this guy were made up of convicts, criminals, other people from rather shady backgrounds. You know, they made up the revolutionary forces because prisons had been liberated, they had been emptied, and so these people joined along. So these Maderista forces are far from these idyllic, you know, gallant warriors who are fighting to establish a much more Republican Mexico. These are actually people who, you know, are, I would go as far as to say they were opportunists. You know, they liberated the prisons and they said, yeah, sure, we'll fight for you, which is a problem and we'll see why. So Mr. Flores, he the report describes him as rather incompetent. He was uneducated and he would, like I said, he was far from this, he was far from the ideal of what a revolution, an honorable revolutionary is. So Mr. Flores made a speech um, on the 5th of May right outside of the city of Torreón, in the regions outside of Torreón. They weren't about to move into the city when this speech was made yet. They were going to, but they were, you know, buying their time. They were trying to strategize it. So he made a speech on Cinco de Mayo, which celebrated, of course, Mexican victory over the French. 
And of course, he celebrated the victories. He celebrated the efforts of the Mexican, you know, the Mexican soldiers who fought the French, who fought the foreign intervention. But he added a little caveat to it. He added this following fact or this following statement. He said that foreigners had become wealthy at the expense of Mexican men and women. You know, they, these foreigners, in his mind, these foreigners took the very livelihood from Mexican men and women. But he also said that the Chinese were especially guilty of this. And thus, in his speech, he stated that it was necessary to finish with the Chinese. In Spanish, it would come out to saying, Tenemos que acabar con los chinos. We have to finish off the Chinese. This is very important. This is really the spark that lit, lit the flame. So before the attack on Torreón, these Maderista forces gathered and they bolstered their ranks, again, with more shady individuals, more people from backgrounds that aren't necessarily good in any sense. So they bolstered their forces, and these forces, mind you, they just heard this speech by Jesus Flores, and thus they proceeded to attack Torreón. Torreón was being defended by Federal General Lojero, and although he was outnumbered, although the, federa the Federales were outnumbered, they were in charge of the defense of Torreón, and they were very successful in defending Torreón from falling. But of course, there came an order to evacuate Torreón. Their ammunition, the defenders of Torreón, the Federales, they had exhausted their ammunition. And not only that, the residents of Torreón weren't necessarily happy with having uh, Federales in their city. So they evacuated. They pretty much just left. They said, you know what, we're out of here. Once that happened, the Maderista forces, they stepped in. They moved into the city. And many of the city's residents, they expected the Maderistas to be peaceful and respectful as they entered. Unfortunately, this wasn't the case. The report mentions that over 4,000 revolutionary Maderistas, quote, hurled themselves at the city. They were being led by these mobs whose only intention when they entered Torreón because Torreón was, at the time, you know, it was an important center, in, an important industrial center of northern Mexico. And thus, a lot of powerful people lived in Torreón. A lot of mining, a lot of all of this interest, a lot of foreign interest is in Torreón. So these mobs, their only intention when they entered Torreón was to pillage Torreón, was to loot and to steal from the much wealthier residents and foreigners of Torreón. So these mobs began robbing right away. They didn't even take a they didn't even take a break to catch their breath. They started taking everything and anything, you name it. it the report says that they were rolling out pianos from houses, chairs, sewing machines. There's even reports that they were stealing fixtures right from the, the homes themselves and just walking out. Then comes a very important shift. They then turn to the Chinese-owned stores. After they robbed the stores, in one particular incident, after they robbed a store, after all the mobs had taken everything they could from these Chinese stores, Maderista forces killed 10 to 12 Chinese residents in cold blood. 
um, oftentimes in these stores, the people would either live in the floor above the store or they would live close to the store. Hence why um, actions like this were very common during this time, during this instance. There was an attempt to rob a Chinese bank, the report states. There were two employees. It's not clear in the report after I read it whether these two employees were Chinese or not, but these two employees who worked at the Chinese bank, they tried to defend themselves. Maderisa forces killed them. And then after that, they proceeded to round up and gather all Chinese residents, even children. The report states that even children as young as five. And they started to just butcher them. These Maderista forces, these revolutionary forces, they just started to go crazy and started butchering the Chinese. There are reports that state that some Chinese residents were dragged by men riding on horseback, whether they were alive or dead. After the Chinese were killed, the report also states that people robbed the shoes of dead Chinese residents, believing them to be filled with the money that Chinese residents were trying to save. In the report also states another disturbing fact that even Mexicans who resembled or who may have resembled Chinese residents or, you know, they may have had some um, facial features or some traits that may have made them look or appear uh, Asian or Chinese in this case, even these Mexican citizens, they were killed in cold blood because, again, these mobs are so riled up with um, xenophobia, this anti-Chinese sentiment, they are like, you know, if you look the part, you're gone. And that's what they did. It's very ironic, you know, that a lot of these Maderista forces, they wore pictures of patron saints of Mexico. So like the Virgin of Guadalupe and so on and so forth. Men wearing these images ultimately had no mercy when they killed the Chinese residents of Torreón. Ultimately, the report stated that Maderista forces, as mentioned before, killed 303 Chinese residents in cold blood in the most inhumane and barbaric way. The streets of Torreón were just covered with corpses of dead residents of Torreón, Chinese and Mexican. The residents of Torreón were understandably terrorized. The killings stopped with the arrival of one Don Emilio Madero. He entered the city and he essentially gave the order that these mobs need to be put under control by way of force. And so when he issued this order, the massacre ceased. Unfortunately, however, there was still, you know, this unfortunate mess was still in the city. And in order to deal with this, Trenches were dug, mass trenches, mass graves were dug, where the bodies of the dead were just kind of, you know, I don't want to sound insensitive, but they were just pretty much tossed in there, not identified or anything. Overall, the residents of Torreón, the residents who survived, were stunned at what had taken place. You know, the report indicates that, you know, some residents, when they walked down the street, it was just too painful because they would relive these fresh memories of what had just taken place. After all this was done, you know, the investigation determined, well, it determined and it came to several important conclusions, as I stated earlier, but as it's been repeated, 
that the Chinese residents were peaceful and they were law-abiding. They weren't looking to stir the pot or to stir any controversy in Torreón. They were never given arms. They had never been instructed to attack Maderista forces because, as I stated before, they had nothing to gain from it. The Chinese residents, as the report by the um, Chinese and Mexican authorities um, states, that Chinese residents were unarmed when revolutionary forces entered the city. Ultimately, um, 303 Chinese residents were slaughtered. They lost their lives. But most importantly, one of the points that the report reiterates time and time again is that Maderista forces attacked the Chinese residents because they wouldn't fight back. Knowing that the Chinese residents were not going to put up a fight, Maderistas and other revolutionaries went for it. And ultimately, 303 people lost their lives. In the grand scheme of things, 1,000 people overall lost their lives, but it's important to note that 300 Chinese residents were specifically targeted and lost their lives. The true cause of the massacre was underlying racial prejudice and a desire to loot and kill. Any accusations that the Chinese were armed or that they put up any sort of resistance was determined by the report to just be pure fabrication. And they were made, you know, these claims that the Chinese were armed and they were resisting were ultimately made by revolutionary forces whose pure goal was to avoid accountability and avoid punishment. In other words, they said that the Chinese were armed, the Chinese were resisting, the Chinese were fighting back in order to justify their actions, saying we were just acting in self-defense, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's disturbing. It's kind of weird to think, oh, yeah, I acted in self-defense, so I gathered up a bunch of children and I, you know, it's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to even make the reference, but... Just imagine a revolutionary soldier saying, I had to defend myself from five-year-old children, so I killed them. That, there's no justifying it. And the report states that, ultimately. like Any, any allegation that the Chinese resisted or the, that the Chinese residents of Torreón were armed was ultimately done to justify the killing. This is, you know, it's a very harsh topic. It's very heavy because again we're taught that the mexican revolution was this noble cause and which it was i'm not knocking it down you know it was a noble cause to ultimately you know get rid of a government which favored the elite favored the upper class in mexico favored foreigners which it did but you know it the chinese residents of torreon weren't the cream of the crop they weren't the elite elite who were running or dictating things for a lot of Mexicans. They were just trying to make it in another country the same way they were doing elsewhere. So, you know, this learning about the massacre is important because it's overlooked. Some might even say it's hidden by many Mexican historians because it goes against that narrative. You know, it's a taboo subject because it goes against that narrative. It shows an episode in Mexican history where Mexicans really let their racist flag racism flag fly and they and they gave into their prejudicial impulses 
And ultimately, they did something which is despicable, in my opinion. You know, this is an unpleasant episode of history, yet it's one that has a lot to teach us. So what is it teaching us? Ultimately, for one, the Maderistas were made up of people of the lower class, you know, the oppressed, the marginalized peasants, you know, who were tired of the way things were going in their life at the hands of the Diaz, Porfirio Diaz regime, as well as the Mexican and some foreign elite, you know, mostly Europeanly, and they wanted to do something about it. That's valid, right? And that's why they backed these people backed up the Maderistas. Unfortunately, they were led astray by a lot of Maderista leaders who took advantage of the patriotic fervor in order to justify violence against another group of people, another group of law-abiding peaceful residents who, in the midst of revolution and reform, were unfortunately deemed the enemy for the wrong reasons. The lesson learned here can be, you know, of the dangers or the perils of justifying atrocities in the name of revolution. You know, the lesson to take away from this can also be, you know, the dangers of racial prejudice. You know, if if racial prejudice sits and brews in you long enough, you are capable ultimately of anything. And that's, for me, that's what this shows me. Because again, you know, these were people who just wanted to improve their lot in life. But when they, when they ultimately gave into that ideology, look at what happened. You know, that mob mentality took over. And just because someone said, you know what, these Chinese, they're taking everything from you. And they're taking your jobs, they're taking your livelihood. And let's get them and look at what happened. You know, 303 people who had absolutely nothing to do with, uh, you know, the oppression of the lower classes were ultimately killed. This ultimately also, you know, the lesson we can learn here is current Mexico-China relations. Mexico and China don't get along that well. They often see each other as competitors. More recently, you know, during the swine flu um, epidemic, almost uh, more than a decade back, you know, uh, China was one of the countries which ultimately closed its doors to Mexican citizens. Mexico considered this an insult, and there was back and forth arguing on the political scale, on the political aspect between China and Mexico. Ultimately, you know, there was an apology, but China also justified saying, you know, they wanted to take care of the population, whatever. But again, this incident sort of ref is a good reference to how China-Mexico relations are today. You know, it's a good reference for, you know, underlying prejudice present in some of us. You know, I challenge you all to think about it that way, you know. This is an incident that might explain our attitudes towards other nationalities, other people from other backgrounds. And when we let all of these feelings get to us, even us Mexicans who, yes, we suffered the conquista, we suffered um, foreign interventions, we suffered, you know, domination by the United States, domination by the Catholic Church, even we are capable of terrible things like this. This is what this is ultimately, in my opinion, for me, this is what this is teaching us. This is what the Torreon massacre is teaching us. It's a warning very much 
for a lot of us, or it could also just be not so much a warning, but just a good reference point of how how much work we as Mexicans or the Mexican-Americans, we need to do to overcome our own indifferences towards other people, because whether you like it or not, they're there. You know, this it's a dark episode in Mexican history, but it's one that needs to be taught. Um, when I was reading the report, I didn't read if there was um, ever an apology stated. Um, I'll follow up. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll follow up to see if there was. But I, you know, the report was simply concluded. The Chinese officials finished their report. The Mexican officials finished their report and everything was done. I did hear there was a rumor at the time that there was a Chinese warship in Cuba. Um, whether this was connected to you know, China making some sort of response towards Mexico is up for debate. I don't really know if that was the case. But again, this was a very serious incident and it's a stain and it's a blemish on Mexican history, on the legacy of Mexico. But it's one nevertheless that we ultimately have to work through. So anyways, um, thank you for listening into this episode. I really enjoyed it. I really had a lot of, um, I don't want to say I had a lot of fun, but I was very interested in researching this topic. I've been wanting to talk about it for a while. You know, I feel it's important for us to learn about these unpleasant episodes of history because in my opinion, they have very important lessons that we need to take into consideration. So next week, I'm going to begin another episode along the lines of this you know you might not want to hear this history i will keep you guys updated as to what the topic will be i promise it will be very good if you haven't already follow me on instagram you know it's at the underscore history underscore ese and thank you for tuning in i hope you have a good day and see you all next time Thank you.